Okay. Just I'll loosen up. It was an early morning. I feel good, but I, I was looking around and so thankful. Um, a lot of you here in the room, I don't know that well, which is rather strange. I know, but probably don't know super well. And I'm actually excited about that. And you might ask why, because as I was starting to prepare my message, which I thought, well, we better talk about the power of the resurrection, right? Like it's Easter. And I have been preparing a message about the power of the resurrection for a men's conference in a couple of weeks. And the more I tried to think, what can I say? I'm like, I already wrote all this for two weeks from now. But the one catch is it involves a lot of my story. So bear with me. I'm going to share about the power of the resurrection through my personal story. So if you know some of these things, I, I do apologize, but hopefully um, just focus on maybe what uh, the verses are saying uh, if you're bored. Um, we know it truly it is all about Jesus. Before I get into that, there ha there's this verse, and I think I'll, I'll just share it a few times through here. That's just been stuck to my mind, too. It's this, Isaiah 60. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, obviously, that was written for the nation Israel, but I think we can apply it, if you'll allow me to do that, for all of us this morning, that God is calling us to arise and shine with the resurrection power that lives in us. Okay, let's enjoy God's words in a little story this morning. I literally think I grew up in the church. I wasn't Samuel, but it feels like I was at church a lot. I grew up in Trenton, and at that church, I think I knew every nook and cranny of that church. My dad would have choir practice Sunday evening, and if I didn't get home, I'd be so bored, I knew where every closet was. And it was actually a pretty fun church. It had all these kind of secret rooms you wouldn't think about, but I was in church so, so much. My parents, my mom's here, were, my mom is here, just amazing examples to me. They immigrated to Canada from Europe. They loved Jesus. We lived in Trenton, Ontario. And in my later high school years, we moved to Ottawa. We attended great churches. And there was a focus on holiness, an entire sanctification. Now, if you go, oh, that's a big word. That just means holy living, trying to do the right thing, that you can do it. That was a push. Boy, that was a big push that I remember. So it was church twice on Sunday, usually during the week, kids program or youth group. I know I came to know Jesus at a young age. I can't, I can't tell you when. Maybe some of you have that story, right? You've grown up in a Christian family. I don't know. I think I got saved like 15 times at camp. Um, every time there, you know, uh, certain hymns came on at the end, you're just like, oh, God, forgive me. Um, yeah, that was a bit of my experience. My mom knows or remembers when I said the sinner's prayer with her, but honestly, it just seems like it's always been a part of my life. I moved on and went to college, uh, a Christian college of all things, yes. I got a degree in physical education and psychology and then I moved on and taught at a Christian school. Then I became a pastor. We'll get into that a little bit. But I guess just this little section I want to tell you, I did a lot of Christian stuff. What we would say as normal Christian stuff, I wasn't necessarily any form of a bad kid. We know, you know, the internal is just as bad as the external. But I had no crazy addictions. I don't have any bad stories. I'm not going to be up here like they found me by the dumpster, strung out. That's not my story. Uh, my story is just like boring kid who went to church and then went to 
Christian college, and then taught at a Christian school, then became a pastor. Yeah. One of the things I do remember that I do want to point out, coming from this holiness movement, which I'm not seeing anything negative about, but a lot of my effort was dependent upon me to achieve holiness. And maybe you can kind of relate to that. Maybe I was scared or I got my identity from, you know, doing Christian things. But way back when, Lexus had an ad. I don't know if you remember it. But it said this, and I even, like, I was, maybe you remember this, my, my, my dad had a black day book, so I got one too. I'm going to be like my dad, right? But I remember posting on mine this little slogan from Lexus, which was, the relentless pursuit of perfection. You know, remember that for Lexus cars? So I said, oh, that's going to be my spiritual life, the relentless pursuit of perfection. Now realize, I've grown up in this holy holiness movement, but there was one big problem with that. I always, always fell short. I could never attain, and it led to such emptiness and guilt. But I'm going to tell you, God had so much in store for me to understand and grow in his resurrection power. So important. My oldest son here, my oldest son yeah, over there, Stefan, he's 18. Doesn't have to raise his hand, you know who he is. He's not 18, he's 25, but when he was 18, <laughs> he kind of looks like he's 18, though, right? Yeah. No, he's like, I look older than that. We Shokis can't grow facial hair, so we all look 16. So anyways, but when he was 18, and I don't know if he'll ever or remember this or does remember it, we were sitting in the living room, and he asked me this question, where is basically the God of the Bible? Where's the God of the book of Acts? Uh, if he doesn't remember that, I certainly do. And he said, where is it today in our church, our spiritual life? And honestly, I think that's a great question, especially coming into a day where we're supposed to be celebrating God's power. Where is it? Is it my power? Is it his power? Where is it in my life? If the Bible tells all these stories, am I one who believes, oh, that was for then, or is it truly for now? And if it is for now, what does my life show? You know, so many of us know we're forgiven, and we should focus on forgiveness, and this weekend's all about forgiveness. In Good Friday, we heard the story and I just felt Good Friday just to live in that idea of forgiveness. I woke up thinking that. And as Doug shared those verses, he probably thought I was sleeping over there. But when I listened to people, I closed my eyes. And I was just seeing the story again of Jesus and meditating on my forgiveness. Such redemption. So amazing. But never as a kid did I ever really hear sermons on the power of God. You see, not just Easter Friday, but Sunday. Not to know I was just forgiven, but yet I had this power to live a holy life. I think some of us get stuck living in Friday instead of knowing who we are Sunday, today, in the power of the resurrection. Sadly so, sometimes I get stuck in Saturday. <laughs> knowing I'm forgiven, but just stagnant, stuck, maintaining, instead of conquering, instead of living as more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Understanding the power of God to help me not to sin, the power of God to help me to walk full of the Holy Spirit's fruit, meaning I should be showing love when it's hard. Joy, patience, kindness. And I don't want my response to be, well, I know it, but I can't do it. No, there's a power that's given to me. And Jay read that verse. The power of the Holy Spirit lives in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Not only to say I'm his, but to say I can be full of his fruit and not live in sin. I take it a step further. There's a power to walk supernaturally in hearing God and operating in his 
gifts. See my life here. I'm trying to sort this out because it's all about me pursuing my own perfection in my work, striving in my own strength. And yet, God had so much more to show me about his power in me. I didn't want to be stuck just knowing I was forgiven. I'm kind of copping out, you know, justifying my sin by saying I can't do it. Because I think scripture says we can do it. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 9 says this, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. So often we're doing these tests to find our strengths and our gifts, which is great because we want to operate in them. But you know that God will show his power not only in your strength, but more so in your weakness and in your inability. Where we need him, that's where he comes. And that's where he displays his magnificence. The power of the Holy Spirit in us. Okay, back to my story. As I mentioned, my life described as pretty normal, Christian normal. I say to my kids, pretty dang normal. <laughs> but things started to get a little extraordinary just before my senior year of university. I love sports. I played soccer. And I had friends heading off on a missionary trip that summer as we finished up the spring semester. Unfortunately, I didn't join them. So I went home as I did in the summer, but I was having trouble securing a summer job. I remember in those first couple of weeks, I was struggling quite a bit inter internally, just trying to find purpose. You know, I just, I wasn't with my friends on this missions trip. I couldn't find a job. Pretty empty. I was seeking the Lord just doing the ordinary routine as we all do, kind of read our Bible, the Christian thing, but I was feeling no power. I remember one day I had an interview, and I went for that interview. It, I don't think it went too well. I didn't get the job. Just another miss. Sitting in my vehicle afterwards, and I'm not really a crier. Like some of my kids was joking with me, Dad, I've never seen you cry. I'm not one to, I think I'm sensitive, but I don't bear my emotions too quickly that way. But I remember sitting in that vehicle just crying, feeling broken, thinking, God, I'm doing the right things, but why do I feel like this? Why do I feel empty? It's not like I'm living in sin or trying to, trying to do the right things, but yet it doesn't seem to be helping. There was no joy. Well, I had a room in the basement. I remember I went home. I have a little prayer altar that my dad and I built together. So I'd often go read in the chair and go pray on that little thing, get on my knees. had a little kind of prayer room in my bedroom. It was just kind of a labor prayer for me at that point. I'd never experienced God in a deep way, but as I knelt down to pray, again, these tears started streaming down my face. And something that... Sh just happened that I had never experienced and it shook and changed me. I'm not really a charismatic guy. I know the theology of the Holy Spirit. I actually call myself a closet charismatic. Um, someday I'll come out. Um, <laughs> I actually in my early years argued against those things. Thought people were weird. I've seen the abuse, so I thought, ooh, that Holy Spirit stuff's pretty weird, weird people. God's got a funny way of working, doesn't he? Sometimes the people who argue most about things are the ones he appears to. As I was at that altar, something happened. God's presence came over me in a way I had never, ever experienced. A sense of joy that overwhelmed me. I remember the Spirit just giving me this push, just open your mouth, Daniel. Beautiful praise flowed out. Even a language I did not even know, my spirit soared. And for the rest of the summer, God opened my eyes so much. If you were my friend, you're going to get a letter about the greatness of God. I wrote a letter every day to a friend. 
I just had to tell everybody how great God was. Never forget that. I can remember going to my youth pastor's house and telling him what happened, and he just started to laugh. More joyful kind of laugh. I could see people's brokenness as I went in stores. I had a new compassion, a new love. God just revealed himself to me in a way I was supernaturally changed by his presence. I remember telling my mom that experience because along with it came this call to ministry, whatever you want to call it, but I knew I was called to do something more than a job. Not that a job's wrong. People work in their job. People serve God in their job. People are ministers in their job. But for me, I had a different call. I remember telling my mom that as she was looking out the window. <laughs> she said to me, I thought it was your brother who had that call on his life. Because God had told her one of her children had been called. The confirmation then was great in my life. This experience, this reality that God was bigger than myself. That's so important to understand his power. It can't be us or our effort. It's him. And I had experienced him now, but what do I do with all of this? How do I learn the power of God to live continually, not just in an experience, because they come and go, right? How was I going to live fully committed to him in his power each and every day? Ephesians 4.19 says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. It's 119, Jay quoted it, excuse me. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place, the right hand of God in heavenly realms. Now it's time to start not just the experience as I mentioned, but this idea that there was this mighty power towards me that Jesus was alive. I'd experienced him. And as Jay said, what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What was that going to look like? We get a little more into my story as I carried on into college. I think it was God's supernatural power that I met my wife, Amy, or should I say that she even liked me? She was studying biology and chemistry. She was really smart. She was a runner. She ran cross-country, training for a marathon. She was growing like a weed in her faith. And here comes Dan. Well, it was God's grace, but we were married very young. She wasn't even out of school. She was 20, and I was 22. Most of you will know this part of my story, but we had no idea what we were doing or what God had in store for us. Maybe two children, a dog, a white picket fence. Something like that, right? I always loved the idea of being a dad someday. I remember Amy, I had a picture of a dad with two kids. Not many college students have that by their bed, but I did. It was just attractive to me. My family was close. I wanted to have a family. That made sense, right? So we were married young. We started to expand our family pretty quickly. Our son, Stefan, came in year two of our marriage, and we simply did not stop. <laughs> if you watched the midweek encouragement about a month ago, we told you how we almost stopped that, capped it at four, but God supernaturally led us to continue as I visited the wrong doctor. I just want to tell you, as the kids kept coming, we had a very busy, busy, busy house. At that point, I was working at a Christian school in New Jersey, actually for the first eight years of our marriage. And in that time, we had six children. That's a lot. They were coming every year. <laughs> and kids keep you busy. Actually, it was absolute craziness in our house at times. To be honest, we had very little money, but we simply wanted to trust God and walk in his power. And at all of this, I'm a teacher, but I'm still dealing with this call to ministry, and how in the world is this going to work out? So as I was serving in this Christian school, in this church in New Jersey, 
which we loved, with these six kids. One night, I'm praying over one of the kids by his bed after a board meeting at church. I remember it. It was actually Gabriel. He's not here, but he couldn't fall asleep, and I was kneeling by his bed, and God gives me a vision about going to Canada. So now I have to tell Amy, just think about that. No money, six kids. Honey, we're moving. Well, I didn't say it like that. I asked, but it was a long process, and we decided that's what we were going to do. I remember as we just had simple faith, just trying to trust and live in God's power as we came here, which is, yeah, there's more to that story, but I want to get into that. I will say, we get to this point where, okay, how are we going to plant a church? We've been here. We've been serving in camp ministry. We're at Silver Lake. How does this work? How do we do it? We didn't have a big, like, program. <laughs> Actually, I saw just out there where the Fleetwood Mac sign, it said, rent, and there's the number. I was like, okay. Called them up. How about a church service here? Okay. Do you pay? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so we started in the basement. Oh, those early years were so difficult. You had those times. You could write your own story, right? It's not mine. It's yours. Where we feel completely weak. I remember starting in that basement and four people came. We didn't advertise. We didn't believe in that. I don't know why, but yeah. Two were my parents. They gave me a gimme visit. So actually two people <laughs> downstairs. And it wasn't even carpeted. It was tiled. We sang kids' songs. That's how we started. And we'd come back home. I want to tell you that our house was loud. That would be the best way to describe it. It was chaotic. Things didn't seem to be growing at church. Again, we were lonely, felt empty. What in the world are we doing here? So what do you do with six kids trying to survive? This is where you're supposed to laugh. Well, you have more kids. <laughs> yeah, there came seven. There came eight. So it was chaotic before. Now it's absolute craziness. I can remember Amy calling me at times when I was in town just saying, I'm done. I'm leaving. You come home. <laughs> but I want to tell you this, going to bed exhausted, hanging on by a thread, no growing church, chaos at home, no self-effort would help me. None. But I will tell you this, the Holy Spirit that lived in me, the same Spirit, again, that raised Christ from the dead, brought the patience, the strength to get through. Well, you think eight is enough. It was chaotic. And you guys know this story. It was on the midweek encouragement as well. If you don't enjoy it, our quiver was full. I thought so. Until Amy came to me one day and said, I think God spoke to me. And I thought, well, that's great. God's, God's a speaking God. She said he wants to fill me with joy. I was thinking of the eight kids and the chaos and all the yelling. So I said, praise God. We need some more joy around here. <laughs> but she looked at me and she, Amy's not one to tell me a lot of times what God's telling her or, yeah, that's not her genre she said, no, God literally told me I was going to be filled with joy, and joy is a girl. And I said, no way. <laughs> I had my list. We had no more strength. <laughs> but sure enough, she was pregnant. I honestly can remember this moment, sitting on the couch, kids screaming, probably hitting each other, Amy probably locked herself in her room. <laughs> I had a washcloth over my head. And I said, I have no 
strength. I was broken. But God is faithful. Do you hear me? God is so faithful. Again, the joy, the love, the patience. Not perfectly, but every day he supplied what we needed because he gives power. Amen. And the baby did come. It was the worst baby we ever had. Not in terms of a person, but behavior. Delivery was dangerous. Amy was rushed to the hospital. I was like, oh no. What if I'm alone? <laughs> oh, Joy, she's a beauty. She is her name. But she cried, 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 and cried some more. We'd walk her around at night. Amy would go to sleep. It would be my turn. And I can remember just crying as she cried in complete exhaustion. But in that brokenness, I can't describe it, but you probably know it in your own life. There was a sense of his presence and his power that he got us through. It's resurrection power. And it's available to me and to you wherever you are no matter your brokenness or weakness, that's when he comes in and gives you everything you need. Our God is alive. It's not a routine. It's reality. And it's a reality I needed every day just to survive. Every dad would say this. But I think I got some amazing kids not by the way we did it, but by the way God did it. Because we couldn't do it. Colossians 1.11 says this, We also pray that you will be strengthened in his glorious power so you will have all endurance and all patience. You know, I talked about my experience with the Holy Spirit, and those experiences are great, and I desire them again and again, and for you as well. But do you know that the Holy Spirit gives you power to have endurance? Just to get through every day, no matter where you've been? Don't always look for the experience. Understand the power for each and every day. Go back a little bit about ministry, nine kids. Four people at the start, remember that? Well, for the first two years, and I'm sure many of you have heard this, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't have been shocked if nobody came. We got upstairs. Terry had mercy on us, probably about year two. I can remember going to conferences and Amy saying, if there's not a visitor in the next six months, we're going back home. No, honey, we are home. <laughs> it wasn't working but God was faithful against there's a pattern I want you to see it that there's nothing I could do to make this church thing work it wasn't my church I was learning that it was God's church but nothing in my strength and my striving could produce his fruit absolutely nothing we did begin to see a little growth we did see people come to know Jesus. And we were starting to baptize people. We saw addicts come clean. We had people live with us. It was pretty neat. But it still wasn't maybe what I thought it was supposed to be. The reason being is when we left New Jersey, I kind of left this out for this part is we had these promises. And as by Gabe's bed and as I prayed before we left, I knew and I believed that God would bring revival. People call me crazy. I didn't come to Canada because I like Canada. I'm sorry if you love Canada. I don't care about America. I'm not the kind of person like, I got to live. I would like a little heat. <laughs> but I wasn't attracted to a certain place where I had to be. That's just not who I am. I just want to do what God wanted me to do. 
A lot of people say, well, I'm moving here. I'm doing this. I can't stand it here. I want... That just wasn't me. I don't care about nature or just not my life. But I had believed with all my might trying to follow God that he had promised revival. But after year seven, we might have had 30 or 40 people here at church. Some of you praise God that you've stuck it out. But one Saturday night, I remember saying to Amy, is this it? I'm absolutely fine if this is what God has for us. Perfectly fine. But I got these promises stuck in my head. And I've been praying for revival for the last seven years and for renewal. Oh, maybe you would say like me, well, where is it? It's too explainable right now. It was late that Saturday night. Kids were already in bed. In her wisdom, she simply said to me, well, if God spoke once, he'll speak twice. And if he is really going to bring a harvest of souls and change this county, he can confirm it to us in a way that goes beyond our mind. I needed that. You know, sometimes, was that God? Was that, have you ever done that? Is that, you know, God ever spoke to you and you're like, is that God? Is that me? Well, I do that a lot. So she prayed that prayer, got up. Next morning, it's time to go to church. Got ready for church. Got here. Probably there was a concert. I remember we had to clean up, setting up chairs. My phone dings. Here comes an email from my father-in-law. Strange occurrence. He only really emails me if he was visiting or wanted to know something about a chainsaw. The title of the email was Old Men Dream Dreams. I'm not going to call him old. <laughs> but he called himself old. And you guessed it, he had a dream. He had a dream, one of those early morning dreams. You ever have those? They seem so vivid, don't they? And he said, listen, I had this dream, and I know God wants me to share it with you. And in the dream, we were at a family event. We were talking about the ministry in Canada. And someone said, how is it going? This is all a dream or a vision. And the word thousand and harvest of souls was spoken he ended his email saying this i want to encourage you and tell you that there will be a harvest of souls in lanark county can i tell you when you hear god outside of your own mind there's nothing so encouraging because it's his power, not our mind. And in my strength, we could go nowhere. I had no idea when this was going to happen, but I heard God. It was confirmed. This is starting to feel like the Bible. Maybe in some ways, the book of Acts. Okay, year eight, we're going to see it. Nine, <laughs> ten, <laughs> eleven, twelve. No, what was the verse again in Colossians? I pray that you'll be strengthened with all glorious power so you will have endurance and patience for what God has called. Oh man, even in those years after year seven, you thought it was going to get better. They were probably some of the hardest times we've ever experienced in ministry. I have no problem saying this, but people were spitting angry with us. I've dealt with angry, and I've dealt with real angry. Sometimes I deserved it. Sometimes it was just an attack from the devil. I can tell you we've been prophesied against. I've once been told that my whole family's heading into the wilderness, that someone yelled at me. Been told that we have no idea what we're doing, but that one, I think, is partially correct. <laughs> one time... I was told in the meeting, or yelled at, that I needed to get a degree in psychology to counsel better. I said, that's a good idea. But only on the way home did I realize, as I've mentioned before, I already have a degree in psychology. <laughs> I just totally forgot. <laughs> We've had years of brokenness and pain. Knowing, knowing, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that nothing can happen in our own strength. 
But the power of God was there to forgive. The power of God was there to love. The power of God was there to endure. Not our power. And your story, again, is the same. You see, God truly takes the ordinary Christian life and can make it supernatural and extraordinary. As you learn in your and my brokenness to walk simply in faith, in holiness, producing the fruit of God and experiencing the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is a real person. It's the Spirit of Jesus. And as Jesus was resurrected and later on appeared to the disciples and would ascend, his spirit would come and live in believers. The reality, our stories will be different, but there should be nothing that stop us from living lives that look like the Bible. Finally, I've always struggled with fear. I don't know, maybe you like that. Not fear like, I'm not scared of the dark. I'm not talking like that. I'm not scared of that kind of stuff. Maybe because I've dealt with angry people. I don't like people who are angry. Probably a people pleaser for a lot of my life. That's where my identity came from. Remember, good Christian kid. A lot of your identity comes from good boy, good boy, good boy, right? So if people don't like you, then you have a little bit of fear of that. But God in his power, his resurrection power, has to deal with that. Not only with me, but with you. It could be anxiousness, it could be fear, it could be whatever. You just fill in the blank. And just the last part of my story, over the last three years, God's been taking that fear away. I could be honest for most of you, I don't really care what you think of me now. There was a time I did, and there are times where sometimes I can fall back into that a bit. But it's been a process of understanding God's power and his love. And that's happened in many different ways, but again, supernaturally more than once. I remember as a leadership, we went on a 22-hour prayer thing, and Kevin was there, and I think Jim was there, and Amy. Some others have gone away, and I wanted to hear from God, and we wrote this letter of God for the church and what God's saying. And finally, I say, this is all great and stuff. Everyone written their letter. Well, I want to hear from God. I remember Doug, who's here, now works with me. You'll know why after this story. He said, you want to hear from God? Like, yeah, I want to hear from God. You know the old movie, you want to know the truth? I want to know the truth. What's the truth? You're a fearful man. Okay, I don't want to know the truth. (laughs) I didn't want to hear that. But the reality of it was true. You see, but when you know God's love and power, it dissipates fear. So you can be exactly who God's called you to be. His power wants to take you and your weakness and your strength and make you extraordinary. And he doesn't want you to live dragged down by fear and anxiousness. Because we're all unique. And he has this purpose. That was huge, but it was a process for me. I remember a year later, it wasn't going super fast in dealing with that. And I was a part of this Bible study called Reveal. I drive to Carlton Place and Oh, yeah, I've heard it all. God loves me. Ba-ba-ba-ba, right? Okay, I'm a pastor. I was struggling with the fear bit, and Amy and I got into a little discussion. Our meeting was on Tuesday or Wednesday morning and Tuesday night. We got a little discussion. You ever have marriage discussions? This one went a little late in the night because you're not supposed to go to bed angry with each other. <laughs> a little too late, and I thought, oh, I get up early for my meeting. I'm not going. They're just going to tell me God loves me. And he's like, you should go. I remember I got up and I did go. I had done my homework. I don't know. But in that meeting, we started. And of course, Doug's there again. Doug said, we're not doing the lesson. What do you mean? I did the homework. He said, um, I was woken up in the middle of the night. And uh, we need to pray for someone today. 
So now I'm starting to feel like, oh, don't say my name. God, don't show me your power by showing me you know exactly how I feel and where I am. No one knew. No one knew. God knew. Woke up Doug. Doug has the audacity to say they have to pray for me. And they all simply listen to God for me and they prophesy over my life. And it deals with every issue I'm dealing with. That's only the power of God. A couple years later, just to finish this off, someone pays for me to go to Winnipeg to this conference called Church Renewal. Getting stronger, dealing with fear. Church is church. God will do what he wants, right? First song at this conference, like I heard it was a real voice. It wasn't a real voice. The Spirit speaks to me. I'm making you into a mighty warrior. Not that you are. I'm making you into a mighty warrior. And the fear is dissipating. And the strength and the understanding of his resurrection power is becoming real in my life. You can have a relentless pursuit for perfection on your own, trying to figure things out. But can I tell you that God's resurrection power is available for you without your striving? It's in your weakness. It's in your submission. It's in your simple faith where you say, God, I need you. This is Easter Sunday, friends. I don't want a big theological message that you're going to forget at the door. I want you to understand that his power is available in your submission, your belief, and your weakness to produce his fruit in your life. And I want to go a step further. He supernaturally wants to use you in your gifting. There is nothing ordinary about you because God in his power wants to make you extraordinary. And don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't be shamed of the past, but live in the truth for today. What do you need? You need endurance? What do you need? You need patience? What do you need? You need love? What do you need? I need to hear God. What do you need? He will do it. Do you believe it? Cast the doubt away and simply invite the Holy Spirit to continually work in your life. It's available if you desire the same power that rose Christ from the dead for you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your word tells us this, that you are a good father. I'm not talking about the overplay of the song. I'm talking about the reality of the word of God. And as a good father, what you say to us is, ask and I will answer. Seek and you will find. And our good Father says to us today on Easter Sunday, 
If you desire the Holy Spirit continually to control and dominate you or to come in and fill you afresh, he says, ask. And I'm a good father and I will give you, give you the Spirit to those who ask. What do you need today? I'm not talking about cars and houses. I'm talking about character and fruit. What do you need? Would you believe in a God who wants to strengthen and empower you this morning? If that's you, just in your own heart, how you would do it, call out to him just in your heart god i need you god strengthen me god fill me god help me to experience you follow the trail of his faithfulness and believe him for more he's waiting he's inviting he's desiring to make himself present in all the areas of our life, from good to bad, from strength to weakness. So Holy Spirit, we ask you now, again and again, fill us with yourself. Change us for your glory. Help us to arise and shine the glory of God in a dark world. Help us to arise and shine the glory of God in a dark world. You say in your word, if we ask anything according to your will, you will hear us and you will answer. Do you know this morning it's God's will that we ask for more of him and he has heard us and he will answer. Amen. Let's worship together. i
So we go from this place believing, empowered by the Holy Spirit, knowing what Jesus has done for his glory. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Be blessed.